Good morning, everyone, from Living Hope Bible Church. This is Pastor John, and I wanted to share with you this morning our third message in our uh, uh, three three weeks of uh, social distancing. Uh, today, I want to talk about the main topic, which is obviously spiritual wellness. We've talked about uh, hearing or listening to the Word of God, and we've also talked about uh, seeing and reading uh, the Word of God. This morning, I want to talk to you in the spiritual wellness uh concept about how well do you pray now this sermon is really uh, to encourage us as believers to pray and we need to continually examine our spiritual wellness uh, so that we can see what how we are and where we are on the scale of serving God a spiritual checkup so to speak we've already as I said looked at hearing and reading but now let's go and dig a deep, dig a little deeper, and look at praying. Jesus told his his disciples a parable there in Luke chapter eighteen, the first eight verses, and that parable went something like this. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. <coughs> Excuse me. He said, in a certain city. There was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who came forth to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much that you allow us to study your word and to fellowship uh, one with another, even though it may be... uh, Uh, electronically or digitally, Lord, and we can't see each other face to face, Lord, but we thank you for how you've blessed us. And Lord, we ask you to continue to lead and guide and direct us. In your name I pray. Amen. What was his purpose of this parable? Well, the purpose really is stated in verse 1, that they ought also to pray and not lose heart. His concern, really, uh, you can see in the last verse, in verse 8, when he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? A couple of good questions there. Good thoughts uh, for us to focus on. You see, our prayer life is an important indicator of our spiritual wellness. It's an expression of our faith in God. It reveals if we've lost heart in our service to God. So as before, I'm going to raise the question again. How well do you pray? And observing, really when you think about this, first, that there are different types of prayers. The first type are those individuals that never pray. These are probably atheists or agnostics, uh, they don't believe, and so therefore they don't believe in prayer or any of the power of prayer. But also, Christians who have stumbled and, and lost heart and, and gotten discouraged sometimes can be also be affected 
by this also. If you look with me over in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, the Bible says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any among you or any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to falling away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is today, that none of you may harden your heart by the deceitfulness of sin. Jesus was concerned about his people reaching this point. We have those people that never pray, and then you have those people that pray sparingly. In, 19, I'm sorry, in 2007, a Pew report or forum, a U.S. Religious Landscape Survey, revealed that 60% pray once a day. That sounds pretty good, except that means 40% of the Americans do not pray on a regular basis. And then really, this demonstrates that Jesus' concern was not unwarranted. So you have those that never pray and those who pray sparingly, and then you have those that pray self-righteously. If you think about it, over in the book of, uh, again, Luke chapter 18, let's go back there and and take a quick look. But Luke chapter 18, and uh, then you look at verses 9, Luke 18, 9. And uh, <clears throat> nine through fourteen, and it kind of gives you this picture. And he was told he told this parable, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with uh, contempt. Two men went up from the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, said, "Thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other man, extortioners, unjust, adulterers." Or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes at all that I give, but by the but the tax collector standing afar off will not even lift his eyes to the heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God be merciful unto me, a sinner. The first part we see in verses nine through fourteen, we see there the Pharisee. I thank God I'm not like this these other people. They take pride not only in you know, how much they value themselves, but their own self-worth and, 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 you know, how religious they look or how long they pray or the terminology they look so that they sound holy, all these things. But they're, they're the type of people that give religion or, you know, uh, uh, Christians a bad name. They're hypocrites. And so they reflect poorly on what we should be as believers. And then those are those, there are those ones that pray uh, selfishly. You know, the people only make personal requests. There's nothing wrong with praying to the Lord for personal requests, but he's trying to tell us here that we should have a, <clears throat> a broader scope. If you look over in the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, and the Bible says, first of all, then, I urge that the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Prayer is not a personal gimme tool. It's there for all of us to use, and we should be concerned about all believers, all the people we know that uh, that are in need or that uh, you know that have struggles that we can help by prayer. So we have those that never pray, those who pray sparingly, those who pray righteous, self righteously, those that pray selfishly, and then those there are those that pray earnestly, and, and that's really where where we'd like to be. We'd like to be in the 
category of praying earnestly. Look in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. The Bible says, continue, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. We as believers need to pray vigilantly and we need to pray for others. Go on down uh, in Colossians chapter 4 and look at verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. This is the kind of praying that Jesus himself did. And he wants us to do it also. So as we look at this and we think about it and we think about the kind of prayer uh, individuals that uh, are involved in prayer, there are different types. We see those who never pray, those who pray sparingly, those who pray self-righteously, those who pray selfishly, and those who pray earnestly. And we would like to be in that fifth category, praying earnestly. That's the one that Jesus encourages. Now, why is it important to pray? Pray like uh, Epaphras and Jesus. Well, there's a lot of different reasons. If you think about it, uh, over in 1 John chapter uh, 1, uh, verses 7 through 10, one of the importance uh, of praying properly is for the forgiveness of sin. Look in 1 John again. Let me uh, get you directed that direction. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 through 10. The Bible says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sinner, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We need to be strong as believers. We need to stand up for Jesus Christ. Thus, when you think about it, uh, the Bible tells us in our relationship to Christ that, that when we struggle and when we err and when we go uh, you know, the wrong direction, so to speak, that, that we understand where forgiveness comes from and the importance of, of having that relationship with Christ and praying. Look in Acts chapter 8, verse 22. The verse says in verse 22, So the Jews said, Will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? Well, when we think about this and we uh, uh, realize it, let me take a quick look here again because I actually went to the wrong passage. Let's look at Acts chapter 8, verse 22. I didn't think it made sense. Look at verse 22. Let me read it to you here. But it says, repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. You see, we need to be praying for the forgiveness of sin. But also, one of the things that prayer does for us and, and the importance of prayer is, is it gives us peace of mind. Look in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible says there to us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. The antidote to anxiety is prayer. You see, Christians will find their hearts and minds guarded by the peace of God. If you go on and read verse 7, verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't we want the peace of mind and heart that surpasses our understanding? So we need to pray, or the importance of proper praying for the forgiveness of sin, the peace of mind, but also for the strength to live. The strength to live. Because this, again, is, a, is you know, uh, going through this world sometimes can be a struggle, obviously. And uh, I think we kind of found that out through these, the, this week, week, this recent pandemic. And so we, you know, we find that uh, things can be a struggle for us. And as believers, we need to hold tight to the Word of God. But Paul prayed in the strength to live that uh, the Ephesians might be strengthened by the inner man. Look, for this reason, in verse 14, it says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth. Now, look. let's go on down and look at verse 16 through 20 also. It says... Uh, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with your power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We need, as believers to be strong and we can pray for that strength we can seek after that strength through our prayer life and our relationship we you know we want that power that is really beyond our comprehension i mean we've talked about praying to to god the importance of a proper prayer for forgiveness of sin and peace of mind and strength uh, to live but let's also look at the praying about the opportunity to serve You see, Paul realized God provided him the opportunity to teach and preach. He opened the door for him, and because of this, he was able to go in a lot of different uh, geographical areas and spread the gospel. If you look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants for whom you believed. As the Lord assigned each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. When we look at this, we have to grasp and understand that he requested prayer that opportunities would continue. Uh, over in Colossians chapter 4, let's, let's turn there quickly. Uh, verse 3, the Bible says there that... <clears throat> At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word and declare the mystery of Christ on the account of which I am in prison. In other words, here I'm telling you that he sought after God's direction in this this whole process, this whole thing, because it was so important to be in the will of God. So don't we want the Lord to give us an opportunity to lead others to Christ, to encourage others, to disciple others? But also when we talk about praying and the importance of uh, proper praying, we have to think about the give it, you know, asking for the boldness to speak. Well, you see the apostles over in Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 23 through 31. And I'm not going to read that passage, but uh, you can turn there and mark it down. 
But he talks about here in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31, 31, that the apostles needed boldness, and they prayed about that boldness, and God delivered. That's really great. We, We have a lot of things on our prayer list, a lot of issues on our prayer list, but we're not so, uh, we don't always practice uh, coming back and letting people know how God has answered that prayer. But the apostles, when they prayed for that boldness, God delivered it. And they went out, and it was pretty obvious they were bold to speak for God. And, and when Paul, over in Ephesians chapter 6, needed boldness, he asked for prayers in his behalf. So again, <clears throat> the motive of the prayer is not selfish. It's to make yourself available to be a better tool for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't we want that boldness when we speak to others about uh, for Christ? And another thing, when we look at the uh, importance of proper praying, it also uh, the, the importance of that prayer will help us with wisdom to God. In other words, having the knowledge, okay, that we need to have in order to guide other believers or to help other people's grow and to grow in Christ. Uh, wisdom is not knowledge, okay? We might say that wisdom is the insight that makes the best use of the knowledge that we have. You see, the Christian has promised wisdom through prayer without doubting. Look in uh, James chapter 1. James 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you like wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed about. For the purse, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all things. And what I want to focus on here really is the statement that but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed about. Don't we want the wisdom that comes from above? Don't we want the uh, confidence that comes from above? I mean, again, let's think about the power of prayer and the importance of praying. For We pray for forgiveness of sin. We pray for peace of mind. We pray for strength to live. We pray for an opportunity to serve. We pray for boldness to speak. We pray for wisdom to God. And we also pray for a healing from sickness. We're in a, time, a period of time now that we're dealing with a, a pandemic of a, a, un, a, a proportion that we as individuals haven't experienced before. And so when we look at this and we understand, uh, we have to understand that, that uh, we can ask for healing. We have the great physician. You know, God is able to meet our needs. God is able to bless us. God is able to take away this uh, virus that's going away now. He's, he's in control. I know a lot of people, a lot of people may not think so. And, and uh, all this uh, staying at home and, uh, you know, not being able to get it out and do anything or, you know, mixing with people really, really bothers people. But understand God is in control. And in John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed, if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. 
Those who are sick should ask the elders to pray. Puts a tremendous responsibility on the elders because they're representing God, obviously, here. And to be involved in this is is really, an elder needs to have the the spiritual depth, growth, maturity that he can handle this is not not be puffed up about it, but it's God again who's in control. He also tells us down in verse 16 that <clears throat> therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed and the prayer of a righteous person has a great power as it is working. Don't we want the aid of God when in need of physical or spiritual healing. Again, God is in control. And finally, when we talk about the power of prayer, the importance of prayer, uh, the last thing I'd like to mention in uh, under that topic basically is tranquility and peace. You see, in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, and in Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, the scriptures proclaim God has ultimate control over the nations. Again, going back to what I've said, uh, God is in control even in the midst of all this craziness that's going on. So we as believers are to pray and we may lead quiet and peaceful lives in that sense, but we can be focused on serving God in a way in our heart that we represent Christ in a very positive way. Verses 1 through 4 in 1 Timothy chapter 2 says, First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. That is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God. And one mediator between God and man, and that man is Christ Jesus. You see, <clears throat> again, we as believers need to live a life that reflects our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want to live a peace, peace, uh, a life full of uh, peace and tranquility. And we want other people to live that kind of life too. So we need to encourage one another in that respect. So we talk about the importance of proper praying for the forgiveness of sin, for the peace of mind, for the strength to live, the opportunity to serve, the boldness to speak, the wisdom to God, healing from the sick. And a person that gives us also tranquility and peace. Now the benefits of prayer, of prayer are many. I've listed them for you there. But how can we? here's the question. How can we improve our prayer life? Well, here's some suggestions. First of all, steps to better praying. You know, I love, I love those things. Well, there's five easy steps to better praying. Well, you know, I've found that nothing's easy. And so we, uh, we as believers have to under- understand that uh, you know, we, can, we can look at these steps, but unless we apply some of those things and we put, <clears throat> put them into practice, they're not going to have ultimate results. <clears throat> to start with, let's look over in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 55. And uh, look at verse 17. 
One thing I want to say here that we as believers should follow the example of two great men of God. Daniel being one and David being the other. And when we look at this in Psalm 55, 17, the Bible says, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. You see, these two great men set the example that they prayed at set times of the day. You know what? It wouldn't hurt us as believers to imitate them, to pray systematically, set up a time that we pray. It might be three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. Or at the very least, make time each day to spend it in prayer. So not only do we need to pray systematically, we might also think about praying spontaneously. Now, I know that's kind of like, you might say, well, you know, that doesn't make sense. Well, it talks about praying systematically, and now you're talking about praying uh, spontaneously. I think, you, you know, you've got to be ready to go to prayer at any time. And according to the need or the situation, if you look over in the book of Acts chapter 16, and you look at verse 25, Acts 17.25 says to us, oops, hold on just a second. Verse 25. The Bible says, The God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples or made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything since he himself gives all to mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live in the, on the face of the earth. So as we look at this, we see Paul and Silas, all the way through, really through verse 25, if you want to go down and read all the passage here, but essentially what it tells you here is that, that again, God is in control. And uh, Paul and Silas prayed when they were facing trying circumstances. So they prayed systematically, but they also prayed spontaneously. Nehemiah, Nehemiah prayed silently in the spur of the moment. The Israelites praised to God in the heat of battle. You see, we as believers not only should have a systematic time that we pray, but be ready to pray when we need to pray, whenever it is, whatever the occasion might be. And there's also nothing wrong with praying secretly. You know, you, you have that time, something comes up, and it's uh, really heavy on your heart, and uh, you're sitting in the car and you're parked or you're somewhere and something comes in your mind that you need to pray about. And it's a very secret prayer. Jesus taught this, really, this precept in the Sermon on the Mount. If you look at um, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, it says, And when you pray, you must be not, not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in, sees in secret will reward you. Jesus taught by example over Matthew one thirty five. If you remember the whole uh, what was going on there, many times uh, Jesus would separate himself and go on a little further away from the, uh, the disciples and the apostles and go away and pray because he wanted that one-on-one time with his Father. Another thing for us to think about, not only do we need to, in, in the praying process, uh, need to pray systematically and spontaneously and secretly, but we need to pray simply. You don't have to have a degree in theology to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, again, the Bible says, And when you pray, do not heap phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. And he says, pray like this, and gives you what we call the Lord's Prayer. Pray simply. God knows our needs. And Jesus said, you know, really illustrated how simple our prayer can be if you read on verses 9 through 13 there. Prayer doesn't need to be long and complicated. But one thing prayer does need to be is to be steadfast. That's what Jesus taught. Jesus taught the importance of steadfast prayer over Luke uh, that we looked at chapter 18 verses 1 through 8. He taught about prayer. This also was taught by Paul. Look with me, if you will, over in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Steadfastness in prayer really was a major concern of Jesus and his apostles. They realized the importance and they wanted to make sure that we as believers also understand the importance of that that meeting with God. So steps to better praying would be praying systematically, praying spontaneously, praying secretly, praying simply, praying steadfastly, and then praying with posture. When we get ready to pray, we should seek a position that's comfortable that we can truly focus on our conversation with God. That we're not sidelined or, uh, you know, that we don't lose our train of thought or we don't, aren't able to focus because it's an uncomfortable situation physically or we're in pain or, or, or something like that. We need to really uh, position ourselves in such a way that we will not be be interrupted by all the different things that go on. Now, there is no official posture for prayer. Whether it be face down, standing up, knelt, uh, laying down, laying, you know, there's just a lot of different options that are there. The importance is not the position per se, but the attitude of the heart. So when we look at this and we understand the importance of prayer, we now want to go on and, and kind of wrap everything's up, everything up. 
So let's look at what's going on. What about prayer? What about uh, what can we do in our spiritual wellness to improve our prayer life? Well, first of all, we have to value what we're doing. You see, prayer is a wonderful privilege, a powerful privilege, a needed privilege, but sadly, an often neglected privilege. You see, prayer should be practiced. Prayer should be not not practiced in the sense like you practice a baseball game, but practice meaning doing it over and over uh, to uh, consistently to develop that relationship and heart and, uh, uh, you know, what we should be doing as believers. Look over in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. The Bible tells us there, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all power, power, sorry, prayer and supplication. To the end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Always with all prayer and supplication. Earnestly, vigilantly seeking with an attitude and a heart of thanksgiving if you look over in the book of colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving verse 3 says at the same time pray also for us that god may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery on account of which i am in prison that i may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul seeking prayer. Continually praying steadfastly. Indeed, as according to 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we need to pray without ceasing. You see, this is an indicator of your spiritual wellness. How well do you pray? Let me rephrase that. Not only how well do you pray, but how well can you exist without prayer? Is prayer a part of your life? In order for your spiritual wellness to be where it should be, your prayer life is paramount to your growth, maturity, and well-being as a Christian. So I challenge you this next week. Work on your prayer life. We've already worked on reading and listening and hearing. And, but how about now, this next week, while we continue on our social distancing to work on our prayer life? I know I can sure use your prayer. And I'm sure that, uh, that all of you that are listening can use prayer for your, for your life and your needs. So pray for one another, encourage one another, and thank God that, you, uh, that we are allowed, even during this time, of being separate to yet be in one heart together for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, again, that you have provided for us. Lift up the people that are listening to this uh, message this morning. Encourage them. 
in the week to come. In your name I pray. Amen.